0: Oh, hey there, Sam. Oh, hey there, Bev. What you drinking
1: today? I am so excited to be drinking the cocktail that I made for an Instagram feature that I did just like a couple of weeks ago for the Surly Homesteaders. It is a garden gin spritzer, and it's a drink that I kind of made up myself. I mean, it's it's an easy like format of a drink, so I'm sure that I'm not mm. like the first person to have made this up. Um, but it's absolutely delicious. It's like a it's a gin and wine spritzer with some blueberry lavender simple uh, goodness sisters syrup in it, uh, and it's so good. <laughs>
0: It's like my new favorite summer drink. (laughs) It does sound good. So what are you drinking over there? So today I am drinking Blake's Hard Cider Company, Fido, which is a hopped raspberry and grapefruit hard cider. And this is one of their Kinder Cider series, ciders, (laughs) I guess is what you would say. And it's crafted with passion for our veterans and four-legged friends, So I like it when I can drink for a good cause. And this Fido cider is really delicious. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to feel about like hoppy things, because I'm not a hoppy person. I'm a happy person, but I'm not a hoppy person. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But it's actually really, really good. So highly recommend it. If you can find it, definitely get it. It's a good summery kind of garden beverage.
1: Our drink peep this episode is our friend Kayla Wood over at Honey Creek
0: Homestead. So cheers, lady. Cheers. So we have a correction. We haven't done a corrections corner in so long because I guess we've just been lucky or maybe people haven't noticed when we've made an oops. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably what it is. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Maybe a little bit of both. I'll go with that. But we had somebody point out a, a recent oops in our Facebook group. Yes. So thank
1: you, Tina, for reminding us that brood X is actually just brood 10. The X is a <laughs> Roman numeral for 10. And I knew that. I just didn't think to like tell everybody else that. So like we made brood X sound really ominous. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> like without really meaning to.
0: <laughs> <laughs> See, and I didn't know it was Brood 10, or yeah, I didn't know it was Brood 10 because I had only looked at the stuff that was pulled into the show notes. I didn't do any other research, and like the videos I watched on YouTube were generalized. They weren't talking about Brood 10 specifically, so I had no idea. <laughs> so when I saw that in Facebook group, I was like, I kind of feel like a jackass, but oh well, Um, <laughs> I think we should still call it Brood X because it sounds ominous and creepy and like a like a really badass concert t-shirt and we totally made one that looks like a badass concert t-shirt. We did. <laughs> and put it in our shop for our May
1: shirt of the month. That's totally right. And so just a little bit of like context. So there's twelve of the 17 year cicada broods, they're all numbered using Roman numerals. So they're all like one through 12, but using the Roman numerals. (laughs) And so this one is brood 10 and it just happens to be an X because an X is the Roman numeral 10. So that is where that came from. And we thought it was important that you knew that and that you knew that we knew that. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. Or that I know that now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought, I seriously thought it was like an alphabet thing. Cause like I've seen some people, I think Sarah, who I got fancy from, she does this. They name their cows like each year is a different letter of the alphabet. So you can like keep track. I thought it was like that. And we were on letter oh. X.
1: <laughs> okay. I could see why you would think that because actually that's how my goat's tattoos work also. Each year oh. is a letter of the alphabet. So like last year, the letter was M. And so it was M1 oh. and M2 for the two registered kids that were born here. And, but they're all K. Like, well, it's M, you know, yeah. I don't know. I don't want to, it's hard to explain, but anyways, yeah.
0: There's a method to that madness. There is. There's
1: a method to that madness. So using the alphabet to keep track of what year certain things were born or happened, like totally makes sense. Yeah.
0: So thank you for gently correcting us. We do appreciate that very much.
1: (laughs) We do. And now if you guys didn't know that, you know that too.
0: (laughs) Yes. Alright, so today's episode, we're going to talk about the struggles that you might come up against, mostly internally, when you're trying to sell animals, when you're trying to sell your livestock that you raised and loved and nursed back to health when they were sick, and all that really emotional, dramatic stuff. We're going to talk through how at least I've worked through that recently, And then we also got some really great insight from our listeners and from my Instagram friends. I did recently share that I was struggling with this on Instagram and in our Facebook group. And before we dive into kind of how I worked through that, we wanted to share some of the feedback that our listeners gave.
1: Yeah, and I'm really excited for this episode because I actually haven't had to come across this because I have not had to sell an animal yet. Like, I intended to sell Bodie. Bodhi is my little buckling that became a weather that was born on the farm last year. But he's actually ended up being quite useful. So I decided not to sell him. Yeah, he's a weather, but he tells me when the girls are in heat.
0: (gasps) Yes. See, I'm glad that he's got a purpose.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I do have one other weather that... Was supposed to do that, but he only does that for me with his sister. So, <laughs>
0: oh, well, <laughs> he, he doesn't care
1: about all the other dolings. He only has eyes for his sister. So, there's Aww,
0: that <laughs> poor guy. All right. <laughs> so, Katie, aka Sticky Holler Farm, aka one of our lovely podcast editors and extraordinaires that is keeping us way more organized and who we appreciate so so much she was actually the first person to comment on my instagram post and she said selling is one of the main reasons i've waited so long to breed my goats when we had an accidental litter of puppies once finding homes for them was so emotionally difficult for me after being present for tina's birth which is her donkey i couldn't imagine having to sell her so working that out with baby goats in my brain seems complicated. I completely understand why you're feeling what you're feeling and think it's completely reasonable. When we do sell, I'm going to attempt to separate the goats out as livestock like I would any meat bird and hope that that helps mentally. Planning to vet anyone who inquires about them carefully too and ask for vet records or a reference. So I thought that was some pretty, was some good ideas to how to like set, the expectation for yourself of what's what the purpose of these animals are and then having an expectation of what you might ask potential buyers like I think those are some really strong things that you can kind of instill in yourself Mm -hmm. to make this a tad bit easier
1: yeah and I like what jeeper underscore blondie said too on your Instagram post She said, the struggle is real. I do everything possible aside from background
0: checks, (laughs) (laughs)
1: which is why I also have 50 goats. It's so
0: hard not knowing. (laughs) Yes. And that's why I have like 17 right now. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then in our Facebook group, Kathy said, I sell my produce, eggs, and flowers from my farm. Started several years ago with just extras, but now have a 10-member CSA, and I'm branching into wholesale flower floral accounts. Ooh, tongue twister. Pricing is always tricky. Don't undervalue your products. I'm also working out to build relationships so that my customers want my produce and flowers. That way, price becomes secondary. And I love that whole, like, customer, like, building relationships piece.
1: Mm -hmm. Because
0: most of the time, and I think my dad has said this before, too, because he's in construction. It's mostly, like, selling yourself. Yeah. And then your product's kind of secondary. Like, you can set up your situation to be like that. Like, obviously, if you're doing that through social media, you're probably becoming more vulnerable with people that might buy from you. But... It it does create a different kind of customer-seller relationship.
1: Well, and a lot of, like, the marketing advice and research that is out there suggests and recommends that people buy from people they like
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: from people who have a why that they can connect with. So from, like, a marketing strategy standpoint, that's actually a really great way to do it because then you're building relationships with the people that are buying from you. And this is also how, like, with something like goats, you can end up creating a waiting list Mm -hmm. type of thing. And then you don't have to worry about this. You have people who want your goats that you already know and have relationships with. And then it just makes it easy.
0: Right. Katie V said, I sell eggs, rabbits, chickens, and goats. The goats are hard for me. I basically screen who buys them. Only sell in pairs unless they already have got goats, which I think is really important, too, to kind of make sure that you're not just sending a single goat home that's going to be super sad and lonely. So if it gets a buddy, either with its new digs or that it gets to go with a buddy, that that definitely would help, too.
1: Yeah, and I think that by having that... like you're getting the opportunity to educate your customer if they didn't already know Mm -hmm. that codes need to go in pairs. (laughs) Yes.
0: Yes. Because a lot of people don't know, but really it's a great excuse to get more than one.
1: (laughs) Uh, It is. Yeah. And it's a great excuse for you to sell more than one at a time. (laughs) Yes. And it also shows your customers that you care deeply Mm -hmm. about The welfare of the animals that you have created on your farm. I mean, I guess you didn't physically create them, but you
0: set the circumstances properly for them to be there. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Whether it was on purpose or not is a debate over at our farm, but. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And Olivia said, I'm so glad you're doing a podcast on this. I'm just struggling now to sell our geese. I think I found a buyer, but it was still nerve-wracking and difficult to figure out where to find buyers at.
0: Oh, totally agree with that one. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Then Sarah said, uh, it's so hard. I sell eggs at the end of the road with no issue, then do pre-orders to sell turkey, pork, beef, and chicken. That's pretty much just friends and family, though. I have such a hard time with price. I come up with a decent price list, but then I get sticker shock myself when I tally up someone's order and end up giving them a discount. Which makes no sense. No need to negotiate against myself. The hardest Mm -hmm. is selling our calves. I'm getting ready to start listing a heifer calf born this year, but I'm aiming to sell before fall, and I just hate it. There are so many weirdos. Luckily, the last cow we sold was to someone that is only as weird as I am, lol. And that person is me. <laughs> she sold a cow, too. <laughs> so that's why she was okay with it. Because... <laughs> but again, I think that's like, like, I didn't know Sarah one-on-one prior to her offering me fancy. But I imagine that listening to me talk every single week in her ears kind of forms some kind of imaginary relationship like I get that with the podcast that I consistently listen to like you feel like you just know the person yeah and it builds a comfort level so I'm assuming what she was feeling that might not be it at all but now we have like that one-on-one relationship because I think she spent a couple hours here because we all just got along so well (laughs) and we just stood around and thought I love it yeah I love it when that happens (laughs) yes me too and Alora said,
1: oh, "Yes, I have a fiber farm, and I always struggle with pricing, even though I know my products have value. And I'm also wanting to start selling herbs and my herbal products. And even though I know I work hard, it's so hard not to undervalue stuff. Yeah. And I think that's a common that's a that stems from our imposter syndrome mm. that we all like innately have within us. And it's so funny. Like I know like." I would go to a bakery and buy a really nice $10 loaf of bread from someone like that I knew and that I knew the quality of the bread and I would be like so excited to eat it. But if I made that same exact bread, I would be like, oh, $10 is too much. (laughs) (laughs) I can't possibly charge people $10, even though I know I myself would totally go and buy that. So it's just like I think it's a natural Reaction that we have,
0: yes. um to
1: the things that we that we make and sell and farm.
0: Yes, I totally agree with that, 100. But if I were to go sell my bacon bread that I make, I would totally like charge ten dollars for that because while it's delicious, it's very time consuming. Yes, but I would probably like if somebody gave me pushback for it, it would be really hard not to bend. Hmm. Hmm. All right. And then the last bit of feedback that we got was from Jesse. And they said, yes, I was just thinking of coming to this group to ask a question about pricing product. We tried to sell goose eggs for hatching locally. I researched places selling eggs and their prices, decided on a price, and that was probably underpriced, but got ghosted after I gave the price. So then I doubted my price. And I think too that I'll touch on this a little bit later. Like, you have to have boundaries for what you're comfortable selling your product for and the right buyer will pay the price for it they'll see the value and they'll pay for it but that is like a really hard mental thing to get over because of that imposter syndrome thing you mentioned Bev
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and like I think one of the biggest ways that I got around this so I did sell yarn for like a Mm. while and I would have people message me and be like oh gosh that's way too expensive for yarn and it used to really like bother me because so what happened inside my brain was like oh well if it's too expensive then that means that I'm like not serving them and I'm not Uh, serving people yarn, which is like one of the things that I wanted to do. But at the same time, like a total, you know, way to mentally flip this is those aren't the people that you wanted to be serving to begin with, if that makes sense, Mm like because In order for you to continue doing this thing that you love and that you know that you're good at and you know that you can create a quality product for someone else to enjoy and use, it costs you time and money too. So you have to price it appropriately so that it's sustainable for you. Otherwise, you're just burning yourself out and you're not actually building a business so just remind yourself when people say that that they're just not your customer they're not your ideal customer and your ideal customer will come around i promise you
0: today's episode is sponsored by sweeter heater sweeter heater is a safer alternative to heat lamps their products provide a safe soft gentle infrared radiant heat to your new poultry friends Sweeter Heater has no hot spots and
1: develops a uniform heat pattern. It's designed to warm the animal, not the environment, and is fully adjustable to maintain the ideal comfort level for your choice in baby poultry.
0: So upgrade your feathered friends with Sweeter Heater. Go to sweeterheater.com and use code DRINKANDFARM to get 15% off one or more heaters. That's sweeterheater.com with code DRINKANDFARM, all lowercase. All right, so let's keep talking about the pricing a little bit. So our listeners definitely kind of dabbled in some of this, um, which just confirmed that we, my brain and my thinking were <laughs> heading in the right direction. So you can ask around and observe what pricing seems to be in the area for what you're selling. So I'm in like quite a few groups on Facebook that sell things, and I can keep an eye on what people are Offering other goats for, chickens for, geese for, like everything. I can just kind of keep an eye on it and just like my brain really likes to pick up on patterns. So it just kind of naturally happens as I'm observing. That way I feel good about what I'm selling my goats for. And then also keep in mind that you do not want to shortchange yourself, literally. <laughs> like don't feel pressured by that potential buyer to lower your price if you don't feel good about it because like we've said another buyer will come around if your pricing is fair like now if you're trying to sell like a weathered goat that (laughs) came from kind of not so great stock or you know is like super cute but you're trying to sell it for $300 like that's probably not gonna work out too well for you unless you run into somebody that really doesn't know what a goat would go for so you have to be reasonable with yourself, but stand firm on what you're comfortable with. So, for example, I had somebody that was offering to come get all five of my goats that I'm, I was trying to sell. Um, but I started out by saying $500 because I knew he would negotiate. So he, he said $400. And I said, okay, at $450. But that's as low as I could go because I already knew in my head if somebody was going to take more than one, I was going to be willing to do a deal And that was my comfort level because, yes, they're weathers. Yes, the dough is pet quality. However, they're, like, between eight and nine months old. I've spent a lot of time on them. They all went to the vet to get despotted, and then all the boys went to the vet to get surgically castrated. So I have a lot of money in these goats. Like, I'm not really profiting long-term if I was tracking my expenses with the cost of feed and hay. (laughs) but that's what I was comfortable with. So he said, well... I'll pass for now. But if you know, you still have them and change your mind, my offer stands. So I said, Okay, thank you. Two days later, he messages me back asking like how big they were if I still had them, like like he was gonna come get them. And I had to say, So are you okay with 450 now? And then he ghosted me. So I think he thought that because I hadn't sold them in two days, like I would bend to his pricing and go with his deal because I didn't have the patience to wait. Oh, interesting. So, and I didn't feel like super comfortable with him the whole time, but we'll talk a little bit more about that when we start getting into creating the boundaries and guidelines and rules for yourself ahead of time.
1: You know, one other thing that I want to say about pricing too, when you're trying to decide what your price is, like you want to make sure that you're comparing yourself apples Mm. to apples. Mm -hmm. So like as someone who is getting into registered goats, like I can use other people's farms as examples for the type of information that serious goat buyers will want to have so that I can provide that right off the bat. And that helps put you on par with those other farms that do like registered goats, Mm -hmm. like what I'm doing here. So like you don't want to go and look like at the Facebook groups for what they're selling. And it's, you know, like someone's taken a blurry picture uh, (laughs) of one weather and they're like central Ohio weather, you know, 75 bucks. Right. (laughs) You're like, well, that's so different from your, you know, like your staged you know photo of a buckling that is showing that it's of conformance Mm -hmm. you know like from a farm with a pedigree of you know lines that you're going to be sharing and that they're going to be getting out of this buckling so don't accidentally shortchange yourself by comparing yourself to the wrong type of farm because there's a market for all of those things everyone like there are people who want pet weathers Mm -hmm. and then there are people who want registered bucklings like that is like you need by pricing yourself properly and providing the right information that your customer wants when you're selling you're going to automatically attract those people and it'll help weed out some of those other people too by making sure that you're wording your posting in a way that attracts the person that you want
0: yeah that's a really good point Yep. Like you said, apples to apples. (laughs)
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) All right. So let's get into something that I really didn't think of ahead of time for this first go around of selling to strangers. Because prior to this, I only sold to either friend of friend type situations or people I work with. So it was a little like I didn't have to think about it as hard. So some things you'll want to think about when you're getting ready to sell livestock or any other product really on your farm. How will you handle farm visits? Because you're having strangers come over. Yeah. Which might be a little weird.
1: (laughs) And if you look at that person, you don't want them to come over? Chances are you probably don't want to sell a live animal to them either. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. If you don't want them to come over or, you know, there's always the question of biosecurity as well. So if they already have a really large farming operation, maybe you got to be careful about what they might be tracking in on their boots.
1: Oh, good point. So maybe
0: you want some like plastic bags to put around their shoes or boots or a little booty things like surgical booties. It's your property. Uh, you control that situation. So don't feel bad about asking them to put something over their shoes if it's going to make you feel better about your farm biosecurity.
1: (laughs) So one thing... That you can do, though, if you decide that you don't necessarily want people to come to your farm because, like, maybe you're not comfortable with anybody showing up. So it's not necessarily, like, a judgment on a specific person. You're just not comfortable having visitors at all. You can decide if you're willing to, like, meet them somewhere Mm -hmm. or maybe travel or deliver your livestock.
0: Yes. Yes. That's another thing you really want to consider, too, is are you even willing and able to travel and deliver your livestock and how far are you willing to go either to do kind of like the show and tell maybe if you want to require deposits like you <laughs> there's a lot of scams right now rolling around on Facebook about people asking for deposits like don't give a deposit until you've seen the animal unless you already have like a really good working relationship with that individual and want to hold a spot but if it's like a random stranger on a Facebook group and you don't know if they actually have that animal or not, maybe don't give a deposit or ask for one.
1: <laughs> so one thing that, and I can speak from this because I just did this recently. So when I was buying uh, the one of the bucklings that I have now, uh, someone did ask for a deposit, mm. but they had a legitimate farm website.
0: Yes, that's important.
1: <laughs> And I paid my deposit using PayPal, and I paid the fee to have the buyer's protection. So it was eight bucks for a $250 deposit. It was eight bucks for the buyer protection fee. And when you're spending $500 on a goat, like what's eight bucks to make sure that I can get my 250 back if it turns out that she's a scammer. Now, in my case, she was not a scammer, but that was how I protected myself Mm -hmm. from making sure that I didn't get scammed on Facebook because, yeah, that is happening a lot. So if you're selling and you want to take deposits, you probably should go through those extra steps of legitimizing yourself and giving people an avenue for paying you deposits in a way that protects the buyer yeah. as well. Because, like, if you're selling something that's really what's what I'm looking for, hot or in demand. Yeah. <laughs> like like registered dolings are like crazy in demand in certain areas of the country or other types of livestock. You want to take deposits because you don't want to waste your time on people who are just like looky lose, I guess. or Yeah, that's a good point. Or not really serious about buying. So deposits are like a totally legitimate way to do business, but make sure that you're giving your buyers that peace of mind that you're an actual legitimate business. So set up through Square to take credit cards. Like credit card companies protect buyers. So yeah, You'll lose a, bit, a little bit on merchant fees, but quite honestly, I genuinely believe that merchant fees are just a part of doing business. If you're a business person and you're serious about being in business, price your items to cover things like that for your buyers, mm. because then that shows that you have everyone's interests in mind. I mean, yeah, there's going to be a dude on Facebook that undercuts you, but he's not a serious business either. Right. Like, that's the difference between people who are in this, like, in it in it in it I don't want to say in it to win it because it's not really what I'm trying to say <laughs> but you know that's the difference between people who are in it and people who are like just casual sellers so you got to decide like what your what your structure yeah. is essentially yeah, that's,
0: those are all good points and and don't be afraid depending on your situation like yes if you're gonna have fancy registered goats then yeah you, you might not be negotiating with people unless they want to buy like six goats then then maybe but like in my situation because I was selling pet goats I was ready to negotiate kind of like I said earlier I said 500 because I knew that guy would probably say something less. I knew where I was comfortable with, so you need to know before you go into a situation <laughs> what your bottom line is and stand strong to that. And also, are you going to be open to bartering or trades, depending on your situation? I see a lot of livestock trades in groups, and they're like, swap meet type things you can go to. And funny, because <laughs> now I have all five goats spoken for, so two are going to a home about 15 minutes away from where I live right now. And they seem like really nice people. And I didn't have any bad vibes when I talked to them. And he's had goats growing up and sent me pictures of his setup without me even asking. And he's going to pay me money. Now, this other guy, (laughs) he lives up in Traverse City, which is like three and a half hours from me. And I'm going to meet him about halfish way we're gonna meet probably in mount pleasant which is where i went to college so it's like kind of a fun day trip for me to go back to my college town and maybe eat at a restaurant that i used to eat at so i was okay with that but also we were joking back and forth because the three goats he's gonna buy are jack and ginger so like jack daniels ginger ale and whiskey and i said i swear we're not alcoholics (laughs) like it's just what we named these guys so they had something to be called while they were here And it turns out this guy used to be an alcohol salesman and he's got all kinds of like big signs and mirrors and high-end alcohol. And he's like, asked me if I'd be willing to do a trade instead. So he spent a significant amount of time taking pictures of signs, looking for alcohol that I was asking for, like really obscure stuff that I have a hard time finding. He has it. So we're actually going (laughs) to we're gonna trade some of that stuff for the three goats and it is like we worked really well together to figure out if it was gonna be of equal value so you need to know if you want to be in that sort of situation but it's totally okay to say no and just want the cash so for those goats I will literally be trading whiskey for whiskey (laughs) that's
1: amazing because
0: like we usually do really nice bottles of alcohol for like my brother's as part of their Christmas gift. So I don't have to buy that now. And it can sit in my closet for like six months until Christmas. So it, it was kind of a win for me because now I don't have to try to track something unique down. And part of Christmas is already taken care of and it's only May. So that <laughs> was not a situation that I expected to be in. But it was I was pleasantly surprised. <laughs>
1: I was gonna say I would have never like thought about bartering like that for an animal, but it it totally makes sense. Like even if you're doing your farm for a legitimate business, Mm -hmm. like if somebody has something that you need or want and you're willing to do that trade, like absolutely, that's a great way to do it. And it's like here, like I said, I I keep going back to registered goats because it's just like that's where my brain space is at right now, but. Every single one of my breeding pairings is going to create a weather goat, you know, that I'll be selling. So, like, even those, you know, like, maybe I will trade them, you know, for something else. But they still have lots of value, too. Like, don't, don't undervalue. Right. Like your animals that you want to sell on your farm because weather goats are super useful like Mm -hmm. I mentioned for telling whether a doe is in heat or they do great job like clearing brush and weeds and restoring like forests like the edge of forests areas yeah (laughs) yeah so don't like don't undervalue no matter what like what you're selling on your farm Mm -hmm.
0: yeah definitely and And the other thing, too, is, like, you want to feel good about your barter trade. Make sure it's of equal value or maybe even a little better. I feel like I might be getting, like, a tad better deal. And he's offering to throw in another bottle because we're driving. But honestly, like, for me, the peace of mind knowing that these three goats are going together because two of them are brother-sister and the other one is chill and we'll get along with them just fine. And knowing that this person already has goats and like that they handle their goats responsibly and they actually had to split their two goats up because one is still intact and the other one is not. is a female and they knew right away that they needed to get more companion animals. So like that tells me that they care and they're trying to do it the right way. And I'm willing to be a little more flexible on driving and things like that when... It's just a good person that has good intentions. So I feel good about it. It's a little weird (laughs) to sell, to do a trade like that, but kind of fun. But anyways, moving on. Another thing you'll want to think through too that I kind of struggled with was you got to have some kind of screening process or maybe like general questions you're going to ask potential buyers. Don't be afraid to question them. I think I kind of struggled with that too, but you have, you are selling something that they are inquiring about. They're asking you questions. You have the right to ask them questions back. Obviously be polite. (laughs) Don't, don't be rude, but you, you can definitely ask them, have you had goats before? Are you ready to, you know, have a setup? Do you have the setup? Do you have the fencing? Do you have any questions for me? The other thing, too, that I really look for is, are they asking me good questions? Or are they just literally asking me how much?
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. Because... One of the great things about like the whole question thing is like you can get a sense for how much work this buyer could end up being for you and decide if that's something that you want to like put in. Like I so I have been really lucky and a lot of people have really mentored me through my early goat days And so I've already decided that that's the person that I want to be for my first, like, goat baby buyers when I get to that point. Mm -hmm. But, you know, a year from now, I don't know where I'm going to be at. So maybe that's not a good fit for me Mm. for my first one. So I might have to pass on some people who are, like, totally newbie goat people that have never ever ever had a baby goat Mm -hmm. you know what I mean like because you don't want to you don't want to put your livestock into the hands of someone that isn't equipped to take
0: care of them right it's not fair to you or the goats or them or your buyer you know definitely and I think too I can tell like the ones that I'm taking that this these are like their first goats I know now that his mom has goats and wants more goats, (laughs) so he's got her to ask questions to, and he had goats growing up, but I also know, too, that he asked me, what's their, like, what's their feeding regimen right now? Like, what do you feed them? When do you feed it to them? How often do you feed them? Can you send it to me because I want to do whatever you're doing? And I was just like, oh, wow, okay. So I literally wrote it all out for him and snapped pictures of the feed bags and the minerals that I feed and was clear about like the minerals and baking soda having to be out all the time. So him being curious and asking what I do showed me that he cared too. He's not, not that there's anything wrong with just going on the internet and Googling it. I mean, that's how I got started, but it is really nice to have somebody look to you and say, hey, you seem like you have a really nice farm. You've got a lot going on here. <laughs> what do you do that's successful? So that felt kind of nice to not have, like I. you're kind of mentoring, but it's not like I'm holding his hand either.
1: Yeah, yeah. But it's helping to give you the peace of mind that you know that this buyer is someone who wants to take good care
0: of the goats. That yeah, from you. yeah, definitely. And then I think the last thing, too, that I had to remind myself is that you have to just kind of be yourself in this process and to trust your gut. My gut rocks. I am very rarely wrong. and But I, I've spent a long time learning how to discern between my gut instincts and my anxiety because there's a difference. And it does take some time to kind of weed through that a little bit. So if something feels funny... And like, you kind of go through the checklist. So, okay, am I just worried about this because they can't put a sentence together? (laughs) Like some people just kind of struggle with putting a full sentence together. For example, one of my buyers said something like, like I was asking what he wanted the goats for. And he said to eat. And I was like, Oh, well, these goats aren't for consumption. They're for pet only cuz that's another boundary I've created in my head right now. I'm not that's not the intention of my animals to sell them so you can eat them. They're pets, they're Nigerian dwarf goats. There's not a lot of meat on their bones. But no judgment if you eat goat. That's just my own personal boundary. But what he was saying was he wanted the goats to eat vegetation. <laughs> as a good like <laughs> communication 101 <laughs> yeah no you gotta finish the sentence there so so yeah it's like trust your gut. like don't don't like we all have our own little biases about you know people that can't for example finish a full sentence doesn't mean they can't take care of an animal maybe just the art of words is not their forte So you have to know the difference between like your own biases, but also like your gut instinct and maybe something is off and you can't quite put your finger on it, but you are selling these animals or these products, you should feel empowered to politely say, you know what? No, thank you. I'm going to pass.
1: That was a really good point about like confronting your own biases, too, because that can be a hard thing for people to discern between. But I think that when you take the time, like if something feels off and you take the time to sit with it for a minute and Mm -hmm. you take the time to ask a few questions back and ask yourself a few questions in that process, you can discern between if it really is a bad idea or if if you're maybe being a little too cautious or maybe yeah. you've got a bias hidden in there. So, it's just really good to examine those, but you're right. At the end of the day, you have to feel good about it. Mm-hmm. So, you've got to listen to that to what your your feelings are telling you. Definitely.
0: So, I think that's it, but we're going to do another episode soon about buying animals and I'm super excited about that one because I think as a buyer, There are certain things that you can do to make a seller feel better about the transaction. So this will be a fun little mini series. Yeah. (laughs) It's funny. You sold goats and I bought goats. Yeah. I had to be
1: like really careful that I didn't try to like do that episode in this episode. Yeah. And that was hard. That was hard
0: for me. Definitely. (laughs) Oh, that's too funny. Okay. But we hope you guys enjoyed. If you guys have any more feedback about... Things that you've gone through while selling animals or your products, feel free to drop that into our Facebook group. You can find that if you're not already in it by going to Facebook and looking up We Drink and We Farm Things. You'll be prompted to answer a few questions to get into the group, but we usually approve those pretty quickly. And then you can join our fun little community and tell us about your experiences. All right, so now it's time for We Can't Even Corner. Woohoo! Bev.
1: Yay. What can't you even about this week? Okay, so I can't even that I am super excited that along with Caitlin over at the Rural Woman Podcast, and she's at Wild Rose Farmer on Instagram, we started a farm podcast mastermind group and it like just launched
0: Ooh, super
1: fancy yes we figured that after so many years of podcasting like you know we've all gone through you know the like fits and starts of starting a podcast and we realized that with a little bit of mentoring and by sharing the knowledge that we've gathered over the last three years that we could potentially help get some more of those like farm stories out there because like we we can't tell all those farm stories we can only tell our own farm stories you know what I mean like yeah. <laughs> and there's so many of them out there that haven't been heard because people might not have the tools or the confidence or the know-how to like get their podcast out there into listeners ears and and By using this, um, we called it Positively Farming Media. By using this Positively Farming Media mastermind, we can help people do that. And we're really, really excited about it. But man, we recorded the first module and I was like, wow, like there's a lot of info in here and I was really proud of it. So I can't even about that.
0: Well, you guys should be proud of it. It's a big deal. And like we talk about all the time on this podcast. We have really busy full lives, so you guys, we really appreciate when you support the things that Bev and I are doing together and separately because, well, we enjoy each other's company. We do do things without each other. sometimes <laughs> we do <laughs> but but we're not going anywhere so don't be worried about that
1: no yeah no no we're not going anywhere <laughs> if anything we're using this as an opportunity to improve our show and make some of the ways that we do things easier and better for us yeah which is always good
0: <laughs> and it's good to have a friend to the north eh yes that's, that's a canada joke it wasn't really a it joke, is it's a but. canada joke <laughs> We appreciate Caitlin very much in her podcast, too. And we've been on her podcast, and she's been on our podcast. So I'm glad that she's still, like, we're even more connected now than we were before.
1: Yes. Yes, we are. So, Sam, what is your can't even this week?
0: So my can't even this week is about a new record. So. Oh, yeah? A Wisconsin cow has set the record for milk produced in a lifetime. And her name is Hilda, (laughs) and she lives on Stone Front Farm, and she has produced 460,000 pounds of milk in her life, which the Holstein Association USA certified as an all-time record. Oh my gosh, that's so much milk. Yes, and that translates to 53,000 gallons. (gasps) Wow. Yeah. Yep. So I won't go too much into it. You guys will link the article under the show notes if you want to dive a little deeper into all 53,000 gallons of milk. But the previous record stood for 18 years and then the one before that was 25 years. So yeah, she's Hilda's kind of a big deal. So congratulations, Hilda, and, and the farmers that care for her. That's a big accomplishment. It is. All right. So make sure you guys send us your can't evens. You can do that by putting those in our Facebook group, or you can message those to us on Facebook, Instagram, or email them to us at drinkandfarm at gmail.com. And be sure
1: and leave us a review because we'll read one Apple podcast review per week on the show. And then at the end of each month, we draw a winner and that person wins an exclusive coffee mug that is not and will never be in the shop.
0: And this week's Review is from our friend over at Instagram at Taligen underscore farm.
1: Oh, shoot. I know how to say this. It's Tallingen Farm, I believe. Oh, it's a combination okay. of her three daughters' Aww. names.
0: I love that.
1: Yes. And in fact, I'm gonna look up where she tells us how to pronounce it because I'll correct you at the end of it okay. if it's wrong. Because she's okay. actually she's done a whole post on how to pronounce it. Cause it is a <laughs> little tricky.
0: Okay, I'm glad it's not just me. But she says, well, she titled this review Imperfect Perfection. And she says, I thought I had already left a review, but apparently that was a figment of my imagination. So here we go. I never miss an episode of Drink and Farm. Every episode is like having a sit-down powwow with your best buds. Farm life is not perfect, and a lot of us didn't grow up farming, so our expectations and experiences are widely varied. Sam and Bev keep it real with the imperfect perfection that farming for joy brings. The information shared is valuable, yes, but it's the host's willingness to learn and grow as they go and be vulnerable and share their personal experiences that keeps me coming back every episode. Cheers. Such a nice review. Thank
1: you. Yes, thank you so much. So it is pronounced Tulane Jen. Oh, Tulane Jen. Tulane Jen Farms, because it's named after her three daughters, Tallulah, Ainsley, and Imogene. Yeah. I love that. I love that too. That's a cool way to name your farms. If anybody needed any ideas on how to name their farms.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Thank you so much for
1: that. We so appreciate you leaving us a review.
0: So hit the subscribe button and download the episode when you listen because that helps more people like you find us.
1: And... Share this episode over on Instagram in your stories. And if you tag us at Drink and Farm, we will send you a promo code that will
0: give you a percentage off in the shop. Make sure you take a look at the show notes to find links to the articles that we may have mentioned during this episode, a survey to tell us how we're doing, all of our social media goodness, and our merch shop. So that's it, guys. Thanks for joining us on this Selling Animals journey. Yeah. We appreciate you Listening and giving us your feedback on Facebook and Instagram. That made this episode even more fun to record. It did. So until next time, drink, farm, and and give give zero zero clucks.
1: Bye, guys. Bye. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things. Summer is almost here and things are heating up, which means funky smells and lots of flies. First Saturday Lime is our go-to natural organic pest control tool. First Saturday Lime has the
0: ability to dry out insects, eggs, and larvae. It is effective as the treatment for infestations, as well as preventing those little buggers from infiltrating your coops and barns in the first place. You can get Lime shipped to your door monthly with First Saturday Lime subscription and free shipping. Go to firstsaturdaylime.com to get signed up.